Welcome to the Armor Men's Health Show with Dr. Mystery and Donna Lee. Hello and welcome to the Armor Men's Health Show. This is Dr. Mystery, your host, here as always with my incredibly effusively funny and thorough... Oh, wait. It's me. It's you again, Donna. It's me today. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> my mistake. What, what the hell is effusively? I don't sometimes even know that, that co-host I bring on the other days. <laughs> Whatever, you wish. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> you know, sometimes I turn on the radio and uh, you're doing the show with somebody else. Yeah, because you're never around. Just cheating. Because you're always booked. I'm a patient. men's health expert, a board-certified <laughs> urologist. This is a men's health show. But I think about you every time I'm with somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that makes me feel any better. You know, we had a patient this week tell us that he really really enjoys the show, loves the information, but maybe we need to be more serious. Oh, no. Mr. Serious. Oh, okay. F that guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, sir. Oh, Thank sorry. you so much for being our customer. Don't F that guy. <laughs> this is a men's health show. We talk about issues between the nipples and the knees, but today we're going to go a little higher. Eyeballs. We're a urology place. How do people get a hold of us and how do people know That's about right. us? You call us at 512-238-0762. Our website is armormenshealth.com. Apparently it's better if I sing it. Armormenshealth.com. It is not. Okay. And we're located in Round Rock, South Austin, North Austin, and Dripping Springs. And you can listen to this show on News Radio KLBJ. On oh, Saturdays, you, you can. Right. I did, we're going to be YouTubeable. Oh yeah, hit the button at some point, <laughs> and then you can also uh, listen to us wherever you get your podcast. Today is one of those awesome days where I get to actually have somebody on the show that's like my own brother. Your friend, Dr. <laughs> Todd Smith right. from I Institute of Austin is here today. Todd, thank you so yeah. much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Now we've known each other for more than twenty years. We did our residency together. You are a Baylor College of Medicine alumnus when it comes to residency, but you call yourself a surgeon. Is that right? Surgical subspecialist. Yeah, you're an eye surgeon, mm-hmm. even though you didn't do a surgery it's subspecial just, like a like a general surgery it's internship. It's just year. delicate, high stakes precision work. I, is that right? Yeah. There's no blood though. There is blood. Oh, good. Just well, thank God. We don't do it in CCs. We do it in lost red blood cells. In lost. That's right. There's yeah. so few, so little blood cells. You yeah. count each individual one that you lose, huh? <laughs> well, good. Some friends that count in the pint. So it's probably you're you're, you're probably doing things a little bit better. <laughs> when it comes to eye health, we talk about that a lot on our show, and mm-hmm. especially with aging, there's a number of age-related eye conditions that you're going to deal with. Maybe you could tell me what your top three age-related eye conditions are that you deal with. Okay, and I'm happy to kind of go over anything, and if we deviate, that's no problem. But the main things that I address in my practice, even though a child to adult practice, we don't do pediatrics really, but but we'll see children for just refractive errors and basic things, is cataracts, glaucoma, and macular degeneration. Those are the real big ones. Cataracts are a a kind of fuzzing of the lens so that you don't see as clearly. About what age do people start having symptoms? symptoms and what are those symptoms going to be? Yeah, so it typically starts, the earliest indicator of a cataract is when you start having trouble with near vision. That's implying that the lens has lost some of its elasticity and process of accommodation becomes harder. And the lens is still clear at that point, but over the next 20 years, once you start having that issue, we'll start to see clouding of the lens itself. And that's technically what a cataract is. Any opacity within the lens. I've operated on patients that are 30 years old with cataracts, but the most common is probably 70 to 80 years old. In and that when, range. And when you're looking through a mm-hmm. cataract, a fuzzy lens, are you going to see halos around lights? Are you going to have trouble driving at night? What? Well, what we say what is, a, yeah, what am I going to know? Our view in is kind of like their view out. So the patient's aware usually that they have some cataract formation. But yes, the very typical symptoms are glare at night, especially with like the bright halogen headlamps. They're real bothersome. Needing more light to read, not feeling like the crispness or quality of vision is there. And it occurs very slowly, just like physical appearance. It takes place so slowly, a lot of people feel like it's kind of snuck up on them. When it's summates to a point where it's really impacting the vision and ca- causing glare, it's usually been in place for a long time. 
When should patients really consider getting eye surgery? Because a lot of times people are scared of getting their eyes operated. This is what I like to say. I always tell my patients I want to meet them halfway. I want them to have some symptoms. I want them to feel like they've had a deterioration in the quality of their life or quality of vision. And I don't like to be aggressive. I don't like to tell a patient, you have a cataract, you need surgery. Generally, the patient's going to know there's been a visual change, and there's patients are at variable states when they want cataract surgery. Some people... At the first indication of glare, say, I want this fixed and I'd like to have it removed. Other patients wait a little bit longer just for sometimes the the fact that it's a little scary to go through. And that's the thing about cataract surgery. Modern cataract surgery is it's a very easy process. We do it with just local anesthesia, usually a combination of Versed and fentanyl. And we do what's called topical clear cornea surgery, and it's sutureless. So we go within the eye, remove the lens, and replace it with a lens. But that the importance of that is that it corrects the vision. Most classically, and a lot of lens propaganda is out there, but most classically we implant what's called a monofocal lens that will correct the lens at one point in space, kind of like a contact lens will. Okay. And okay. so can you see a cataract on a regular physical exam, like with one of those lights that you put in Yeah, if eyes? you shined a, a light tangentially at someone's eye, you can kind of get a sense that there's some clouding within it. What we have is called a slit lamp biomicroscope, so we can look at things three-dimensionally. So we look at a cross-section of what the lens looks like, and you get a sense and you grade cataracts. Most people use a grade of, say, one to four, but then within that grade, there are different types of cataracts. And, and did you use a sutureless cataract repair because yes. you, you can't tie suture as well as a urologist can? Well, no, we're better at wound construction, I think. That's uh, what it comes down to. Y- y- oh, you, 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 yeah. the, it's a challenge. The cut is so perfect that it just comes back no, together. No, it's, it's, it's a matter of the size of the incision. So historically, we would make a size four, matter. four to six, exactly, four to six millimeter incision and sew it up with three or four sutures. Now we operate through about two and a half millimeter incisions, and the cornea has thickness where we make the entry wound, is the limbus, the outer part of the cornea. So we actually make an incision down, and then we tunnel in, and then we change the angle of the incision to make kind of a Z shaped wound. So at the end of any surgery, of course, we're testing that incision to make sure that it's watertight. But I'd say maybe one in a thousand patients undergoing modern topical or clear cornea surgery is going to need a suture. What is the recovery and do you ever do both eyes at the same time? At this point in time, we don't. And I feel with something as precious as vision as a sense, I like the patient to be able to evaluate, have that first eye done, make sure they feel there's been a gain in vision, that they're pleased with their vision, that their experience is great, that they're not having any post-operative dryness or irritation. I like that first eye to be very close to 100% before going and doing the other eye. But generally, the patients are real pleased with the quality of vision, the, the color of vision, color vision that's, that's re-achieved, the crispness of the vision, nighttime driving, those kinds of things where they want have the other one done and that also helps to kind of balance them out and how much of this is usually covered by insurance and what do people routinely do as kind of add-ons to a cataract sure i'll tell you in general if a patient has a cataract and we diagnose it by looking at the slit lamp and it's causing symptoms you know glare halos decreased quality of vision it is it is covered by insurance so if you look at the way that it's covered in general your garden variety cataract that you do a traditional lens in should be very well covered depending on the plan but that's plan dependent. It's like when you but buy it, glasses and if the, yes. the free glasses are really heavy yeah. and fall off your but, nose, but, but cataract surgery, light, yeah, it's it's, it is the number one performed surgery in the United States every year, so it's very well covered by most carriers. It's something that their patients are going to need, a service they're going to require. If you look at the traditional approach, you're basically paying the surgeon's fee, the anesthesiologist to monitor the patient or the CRNA. You're paying for the operating room time, so it's that combination of things. And insurances generally do a really good job of covering that for cataract surgery. The additional fees come in when different things occur with the eye 
eye or the refractive state of the eye. If there's astigmatism, we'll use what's called a toric lens to correct for that. If someone says, I'm not comfortable wearing readers, we traditionally will correct both eyes for distance and then I have patients use readers for near. There are some other lens technologies that we would implant within the eye. They kind of extend the depth of focus or work in a multifocal manner where they have different points of focus, where they'll have their distance, intermediate, and near vision as well. And those patients have to be perfect candidates. Those advanced technology lenses are very picky about the cornea, the corneal surface, the retina. So things have to look really perfect for me to feel comfortable in planning one of those what we call advanced technology lenses. And that doesn't mean it's better. It's called an advanced technology lens. It just does things differently. And those things usually cost patients a little bit out of pocket to be able to get those things. Exactly. And it's variable. And what, what we've always tried to do is in situations where a patient wants a technology, if they're in a, in a spot where it's going to be difficult to pay for that, do, um, do everything we can to, to you know, waive certain fees that we'd be able to waive to make that happen. But in general, you're looking at traditional cataract surgery being covered. If you're going to have this toric intraocular lens, I would guess general 1000 to 1500 an eye. If you're going to have one of these advanced technology lenses in the ballpark of probably $2,000 an eye. But that's variable. Now, do you think it's a little unfair that you get to be old and have better eyes than when you were young? <laughs> I love it. I love it. And it's so it, unfair. It, it's, it's like I'm going to have to yeah. suffer for a while yes, wearing these exactly. thick glasses until I get the exactly. bi- bionic that, eye. That, I... that excitement in general, and nothing's ever 100%, but 99% of patients that have cataract surgery uh, love it. They're so happy they had it. And their retina is able to see, say you have a 70-year-old patient, their retina potential is still just as good as it was when they were 30. So their vision, will, they'll often tell me, is the best it's ever been in their entire life. Well, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had Todd Smith today here with us from Austin uh, Eye Institute of Austin. I'm Dr. Mystery. That's my real name, joined by Donna Lee. Donna Lee, how do people get a hold of us, and how do people get a hold of Todd? That's right. Uh, Donna Lee is my real name as well. Our phone number is 512-238-0762. Our website is armormenshealth.com. If you have a question for Dr. Smith, you can email us um, there as well. Um, armormenshealth.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Smith, for joining us. If you want to reach out to Dr. Smith, it's Eye Institute of Austin. His number is 512-454-8744, and his website is eyeinstitute.com. I'm Dr. Mystery, your host, joined always with my co-host, Donna Lee. Donna, I think we need to tell my name more often and your name on the show as we do the the episodes, because sometimes people are like, oh, wait, your your, your voice sounds familiar. Really? What's your name? I'm like, you don't know my name? It's a mystery. It's a mystery. (laughs) M-I S-T-R-Y. Donna is a uh, professional comedian. She just got to get back onto the stage. How did it feel? It was amazing. And if you didn't go to the show, I was really freaking funny. As far as you know, you killed it. I killed it. (laughs) I got a standing ovation in my mind. It was beautiful. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. We are joined again today. Well, uh, uh, just a little uh, reminder. I'm a men's health expert, a board-certified urologist. We Mm -hmm. started a urology group in town 15 years ago called NAU Urology Mm -hmm. Specialists. We're up to four doctors, four mid-levels, two physical therapists, a sex therapist, a health coach, just an amazing holistic approach to your urologic care. Mm -hmm. And we're joined uh, once again with one of my really good friends, Todd Smith with Eye Institute of Austin. Thank you so much for joining us again, Todd. Thank you, Sonny. I think after sitting here and talking, we realized why I have such animosity against ophthalmologists. (laughs) And and it's because when you're a resident and you're sitting in Bentob Hospital, they run two rooms at night. Mm -hmm. The orthopedists get one room that runs 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. Every other surgeon has to share the other room. And if I have a person with a kidney stone or somebody's testicle got caught in a shredder or something (gasps) like that, I have to put my name in line and wait. And then 
if somebody falls down and cracks their eye open, guess where they go to the line? The top of the, the line. The front of the line. <laughs> so I'll be sitting there waiting for hours and hours and hours for my case to go. And then big old Todd Smith will walk in, freshly showered, and he's like, hair, <laughs> hair like flowing. <laughs> I'm here to fix an eye. And he says, I'm here. Oh, my Lord. Oh. And they had these oh, really well. cool little little briefcases they came with, like this That's really right. fancy equipment. It was Are really you cool. saying an eye is more important than a testicle? I would never say such a thing. I didn't think so. There's, uh, God gave us two <laughs> eyes, but he only gave us two testicles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much. We're, sure. we're, we're discussing t- topics about age-related eye conditions. Uh, we discussed uh, cataracts uh, previously, but uh, my grandfather, he suffered from macular degeneration. And it was such a terrible disease for him in which he progressively lost his vision, limited his ability to drive, and really took a lot away from him. Tell us what macular degeneration is and maybe how it's evaluated, what symptoms there are, and then we can talk about new and upcoming treatment. What happens, and first of all, the macula is the central portion of the retina, so where all of the fine visual acuity takes place, looking at details, facial recognition, and it's also the most metabolically active part of the retina. So if you look at it, and and we do studies of the retina, you can see that the majority of the center part of the retina is all made of cones, and cones allow this fine color vision perception. However, when there's a real metabolically active tissue, it requires a lot of oxygen, and there's a lot of metabolism to keep the daily functioning happening. What happens with macular degeneration is that those byproducts of metabolism actually get deposited underneath the macula. And they show up as kind of yellowish, clear deposits we call drusen. And there's an entire spectrum of how someone's impact. The typical age of onset, I'd say, is it's not uncommon for me to see some patients in their 70s, 60s to 70s, that start to show some of this deposition. And you can see it on a physical exam. You can see it on a physical exam. And really what we're looking for is the health. First of all, we look at what's called the foveal light reflex. If someone maintains that, we know that macula is extremely healthy. With a patient that is eventually going to develop macular degeneration, we'll look at the exam and I'll say, say I see a 65-year-old. I start to look at that layer of the retinal pigment epithelium. You can see some window defects. There's some indicators in this patient that they're likely going to go on to develop dry macular degeneration. And I'll get into the dry and the wet form in a second. So in that patient that's 65, I'm not perfectly pleased with the exam. I will discuss, of course, dietary approach and multivitamins. So this is like a condition that's almost like a chronic medical condition that we yes. could have some impact on. I mean, it's not like that, your, that eye, your eye's on a one-way train. That, that's correct. You could maybe change the way you're living to help improve the met- metabolism of this part of the eye and correct. perhaps revert, maybe not reverse, yes. but at least stop the progression. Correct. And as an aside or apart from something like retinitis pigmentosa that's heavily genetic, the majority of patients follow a typical course across life. I think macular degeneration, there are some things that you can do to reduce the likelihood of developing it. Is dry macular degeneration more common in diabetics or smokers or any other particular uh, yeah. kind of thing? If, interestingly, if you look at the cardiovascular risk factors, elevated cholesterol, hypertension, diabetes, these all play into the risk factors for the development of macular degeneration. There are some trends like Typically, it's a little more common in far-sighted people than near-sighted people. And there's a, definitely a genetic theme within it, but I feel strongly I've had identical twins that were patients of mine that where one had it and the other one didn't. And what are so, the vitamins that you recommend yeah. or dietary yeah. changes? So for to be clear, 
any vitamins I recommend. I've never been someone that pushes a lot of vitamins. I would say if a patient is taking vitamins, they need to be on them for a reason. I think you can take too many vitamins. But a study called the ARIS, the Age-Related Eye Disease Study, was done. And it has a formulation of basically a vitamin A derivative called lutein and zeaxanthin. So it has that in it and vitamin C and vitamin E and then zinc and copper. It has high levels of zinc, so the copper's in there for a few reasons. Nerve function within the retina and through the optic nerve, but also to prevent a zinc deficiency anemia. So, so let's repeat that because uh-huh. I'll get a question from a listener. Sure. This is what are the four you mentioned, so start over. Okay, the four I mentioned, uh, it's, first of all, it's the ARIDS formulation. Okay. The ARIDS 2 formulation. What I mentioned, what's in that is are, fo- are what are called lutein and zeaxanthin. Mm-hmm. These are already kind of pre-made by the manufacturer of this vitamin, but the original in, you know, agents would be um, created as a metabolism of vitamin A. Okay? Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the old formulation used to have vitamin A. This has lutein and zeaxanthin. So it's kind of broken it yep. down already a little That's bit. That's right. Lutein is 10 milligrams and zeaxanthin is 2 milligrams. Okay. And then you have zinc. And copper. And then you have zinc and copper, and then vitamin C and vitamin E. Oh, okay. That is okay. amazing and exactly and it's, up our alley. And if right. you're doing, Perfect. if you're going to split it out, if you just get the ARIDS formulation, you have it. But you want cupric oxide. That's that's a very important factor from what I've been told in my training. I think that we need to put that on our Facebook thing, Majigger. I do. How yeah. do you spell ARIDS? Uh, ARIDS. A R E D S. Age related eye disease study. Perfect. So so now if if things have gone beyond. This, this okay. part with dry macular generation. And, and just to be, I want to be real clear. I only advise that when I see changes. Understood. I, I don't like preventative. I don't feel it's a bad idea, but it's a, you know, the d- vitamin doses are pretty high in that ARIDS formulation. So the only patients I convert to that are those that I foresee macular degeneration based on exam findings or that have pre-existing macular degeneration when I see them. So if they already have it and are starting to lose some of this fine vision and mm-hmm. the central area vision, Yes. Now what? Am I am I just kind of destined to not being able to drive? So in that case, you will have regular follow-ups. We can do a very fine cross-section of the back of the eye called an OCT. And that OCT is just like a CAT scan, but of the macula itself. And we're able to see the individual layers of the macula. We're able to see the amount of drusen that's accumulated. We're going to compare that across time. We know with dietary alterations in the ARIDS formulation, there's less of a likelihood of the accumulation of that drusen accelerating or increasing. So a patient that says, I want the diet that would be preventative for um, the development of macular degeneration, that's going to be the traditional kind of Mediterranean diet, uh, rich in dark green leafy vegetables like spinach, kale, arugula. Cruciferous? Uh, uh, sh- yes, broccoli. That's a big uh, word. Yeah, broccoli <laughs> is, is another one. And if, you're, if you like salads... Uh, pick up the romaine instead of iceberg mm. because it has a little bit more of those necessary micronutrients and vitamins. Mm. The um, cold water fish, wild salmon, albacore tuna, halibut, you do have to have the wild salmon, which is a little more expensive, but it's known to have that health benefit through the omega-3 fatty acids. Mm-hmm. And so if, if somebody progresses to the point where they really are having Yes. significant problems yes. for dry macular degeneration. Yes. Are there surgeries and medicines okay. and things well, like that can unf- be done? Yeah, and, and unfortunately, with dry macular degeneration, all we know to suggest is the dietary. Even studies are being done now, but all we know to suggest is the dietary alteration or modification and the ARIDS formulation um, multivitamin. I really can't think of a, of a kind of a more frightening thing 
for someone to go through yes. than this slow progressive loss of uh, central of vision. vision fine mm-hmm. vision exactly. I mean especially if you were a woodworker or a knitter or something that was right. using or, or you know even a urologist or, or perverts. Yes. yes no perverts no. big, big things no. <laughs> everything's fuzzy on the television anyway That's true. it's probably helping the world out but yes yeah, honey <laughs> that, and that is the dry macular degeneration this kind of comes in and out is that still yeah, working yeah, right. fine okay and so, so uh, I think we're only going to have time today for the dry macular okay. generation. Would you come back and talk to us about wet macular generation oh, at some sure. point? You are just yeah. so informative and just, it was so eye-opening. I, th- I think this is the eye-opening. most information. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> pun. <laughs> this is the most information I've ever yeah. had on macular generation. And although the bad news of no real yeah. cure, the good news that we have some capability uh, within us to, to make a change. That's correct. Todd, thank you so much for joining You're us. Welcome. This is Todd Smith, Dr. Todd Smith with Eye Institute of Austin. Donna, how do they get a hold of him? You can reach out to him at iinstitute.com. His number is 512-454-8744 and you can check us out at armormenshealth.com. The Armor Men's Health Hour is brought to you by Urology Specialists. For questions or to schedule an appointment, please call 512-238-0762 or online at armormenshealth.com. Oh, 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 oh